We always talk about the exciting research we all do. We've even covered some of the processes of the research in our episodes, uh, such as getting money to fund our work or ourselves in our grants episode or the approval processes we go through in our ethics episode. Now it's time we speak a little bit more about the products of our research, where we can really see the fruits of our labor. We'll mainly focus on conferences and journal articles. There are certainly other ways of communicating our research, such as the science news segment in our podcast um, and community events, but we're focusing on the traditional academic outputs of our research. These kinds of outputs are important at all, if not all, stages of academia. So we hope everyone finds this helpful. Back from spring break, home stretch of our spring semester. How's everyone doing? We can talk about March Mammal Madness later after we check in about like how everyone is is doing and then we can talk about the painful 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 parts of Marshmallow Madness. It's a home stretch, but also I feel like I don't want it to be the home stretch yet because, like, I have a lot of things I need to be doing right now. (laughs) So, like, can we actually go back, like, two weeks just for a second here? (sighs) Yeah, I feel like those snow days have just, like, thrown me off for sure. There was, like, three weeks in in a row, right, where it was just, like, Thursday, Wednesday, Wednesday. We had one of our classes yesterday, and Odell's hadn't been there since February 2nd. Hey, that was like what? a month and a half. Because no days and conferences. Because no days, conferences. I was gone for a month and a half It was March 22nd, for anyone who's wondering, and she hadn't been there since February 2nd. Yeah, like, I hadn't been there for a yeah. long time. I was like, it feels like a while. I didn't think it was that long. <laughs> Yeah, so snow days and conferences. No, but like I would be panicking. But it's grad school, so classes are a little different. Yes, and the professors more. They know what you're doing. Yeah, research is a priority, so conferences are a valid reason to. And he was at one of the conferences she was at. Oh, so so you could have had canceled. So what you're saying is you were actually slacking, and you could have like made up some class. Yeah, guys, I just she actually did better with us because she was with the professor and we weren't. I didn't at that class. Uh, I'm honestly though I'm at this point in the winter where I'm sick of it. It just needs to be mm-hmm. gone. Okay, but like most of the time we're not this bad. I think I'm what's worse think than so. the weather, like the weather's like thirty degrees here, right? And it's probably what's worse than thirty degrees it's, is seeing the weather app for the next ten days is also thirty degrees. Mm-hmm. That's what's worse is that it's not getting better for the next ten days. It's just. Thing. I'm just aggressively indifferent to the weather. I don't know. I'm I know like, my car keeps getting stuck in the snow. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> she keeps I have to like stuck. literally shovel it every time I park because I can't get out otherwise. Now that she has a shovel, she can get out by yeah, herself. Yeah, a little Texas truck. <laughs> <laughs> my little Minnesota Ford Escape is just like flying through those snowbanks. If only my dad had a better choice for cars, because <laughs> damn, <laughs> I'm struggling out here. Wasn't thinking North Dakota. Yeah, probably not. No. <laughs> The longer the winter lasts, the more at risk I am to slipping. Like I actually almost fully. I've had some really close calls. Oh, today. Today. Okay. Yeah. Last year I got whiplash on ice. So. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're gonna do it, do it right. You need to one up the. (laughs) That's what we're saying. We'll just dive into it. Uh, Remember the beginning of the year? They sent out walk like a penguin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's when you know it's coming. Yeah, yesterday I felt like I was watching everyone kind of go like, huh, huh. <laughs> which I know you can't see me, but like, <laughs> slipping motions. <laughs> like, you can tell just from, from the noise, right? I haven't slipped uh, yet, but. You better knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, well, like I mentioned, um, one of the fun things that also comes from March is, um, yeah, March Madness, basketball, whatever. Like, it's, it's, it's fun. Hey, my winner's still in my Mar- March Madness bracket at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <Well>. cool. Um, <laughs> but, but we have been participating in the much more fun and science-y uh, March Mammal Madness, which is uh, was founded by uh, Dr. Katie Hines. And in the biology department, we got the pleasure of having her for her Darwin Day speaker. And that's where I was like, this sounds like fun. I'm going to make the whole podcast team do it. And so we all filled out our brackets. The divisions were Mighty Stripes, Itty Bitty Comeback City. um, Dad Bods. Dad Bods and like Amazing Engineers. And we didn't like, I didn't talk to you guys about my bracket. I set my bracket and I didn't Mm -hmm. send it to you. I got your brackets as you filled them out. And we all picked Stripes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we all picked this yeah, which I yeah. Is, yeah. is pretty interesting. Um, as of <laughs> March 23rd, I am the only podcast host standing. Uh, my my Pacific Striped Dolphin took out... Too soon. Odalis's Jekyll today. And in the first round, <laughs> Emily's mongoose <laughs> took yeah. out Alex's striped yeah. pole cat. I was really Sorry, Alex. He was the first You know, so. listen, I was rooting for your pole cat, too. Cat is so I had cute. the pole cat winning. Yeah, then, but my mongoose eats scorpions, and okay? Then, <laughs> and then I needed your mongoose to take out the okapi, and it couldn't even do that. So no, I it guess, got intimidated. I guess. <laughs> Stay tuned, because the dolphin somehow has to I don't to know, beat. y'all, but the jackal might take most traumatic death, because yeah, that was totally yeah, traumatic. That was very Portuguese man of war involved. It's it's kind of it's. I'm heartbroken. Go back I, on Twitter know, to read the battles if you're fair, fully yeah, interested. Yeah, if you follow us on Twitter, I know Alex and I have both tweeted about mm-hmm. March Mammal Madness, so you should see us pop up. Um, Alex posted a pretty funny meme that got some really good attention. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I heard the footsteps okay. upstairs. Oh <laughs> 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 some context. <laughs> We didn't oh. shut my bedroom door where we record the podcast, and the guy above me walked and shifted the door. But you and heard just the footsteps. Yeah, I heard like someone was here, guys. This is not good for my heart. <laughs> I should get one of those like rec- like podcast recording light up signs. And yeah, as if that's gonna out. stop You're a stranger from entering your bedroom. It, it might. One thirty three, guys. Yeah. <laughs> a little tacky. I also have tachycardia, so that doesn't help. <laughs> That's what I meant by tacky. Oh. Wow. <laughs> <Tachycardia>. <laughs> Got it. Tacky. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> I am at one or two, so. Uh, oh, that's my normal. Yeah. 116. I guess we're all comparing heart rates now, so maybe I'll... That's a thing I look at my heart rate numerous times a day. Can you tell we like competition? <laughs> this is probably not one I want to win, though. <laughs> probably <Yeah. laughs> But we have decided that I'm you're going to outlive all of us. So. I will outlive all of you, no matter how many health issues I have. Oh, yeah. We're chilling. We're chilling. But yeah, spring break. That was perfectly <laughs> great. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, here, we're low, yeah. Spring break was great. I had the pleasure of a few days before that leaving to Puerto Rico. I, like, oh. actually hate you, though, for Ooh, that. Yeah. I went out to the box. So, context. This was for a conference. Very relevant to what we're speaking about. So she didn't today. have to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was a big giant plus, but yeah, I was able to go to a nice warm Puerto Rico for a conference. Definitely gonna put it out there that every every um, break between sessions, I was out on that balcony trying to absorb that warmth. 
Oh, honestly, it was a great experience. This was actually a conference I hadn't been to before. I met a lot of great people, actually a fellow podcaster, which was kind of nice. Somebody who also has that context. But yeah, you get to learn a lot in short period of time. And it's all, you know, if you do it right, pick a good conference, you learn a lot in a way that makes it a lot easier, which is something I really liked. Yeah, so which, which conference was this? This was the American Psychosomatic Society. So all about that mind and body connection. So mm. it's a great, I got a lot more of my health focused stuff at this conference, which was really nice. Something I, I don't always necessarily read about, but this was a great way to get that all together at a good time. I think it's a good thing to bring up because choosing the right conference is not just about choosing the right avenue for presenting your research, but it's also about what do you want to learn, <laughs> especially yeah. as very early career academics. It's really important to like continually be learning about not just like what we would consider the center of our research interests, but also kind of what's branching out from there. And so it sounds like you found that conference. Yeah, definitely. And like... That's kind of something we want to kind of touch on, finding the right conferences. How does one start? There's so many out there, and even so many different people go to so many different ones. So finding the right conferences for you. I personally, the conferences that I have gone to, it's because my advisor goes to, but we have also had these conversations about branching out because now's the time to kind of explore those conferences, see which ones you like, which ones work for you, which ones you want to um, kind of explore and get to know if they are the right fit for you. But... I was going to say definitely um, talking to my advisor, and because my advisor is a little bit further along in her career, she often has a better, not a better sense, but like a good sense, especially being in kind of a more specific field of where I would get more out of a conference. Because even when you talk about education, there are conferences that are going to be more K through 12 focused. There are going to be conferences that are geared towards the higher education, and so... We have a big group of biology education researchers that meets every summer, um, and it's the Society for the Advancement of Biology Education Research, also called SABER. Um, I love the acronym. Really I say that's a good acronym. I love like I want SABER merch. Like where is the SABER merch? Which is a SABER shirt. I think it's super cool. Um, and what's interesting about that is I actually. Saber is kind of what brought me into the biology education research because it's it was founded and kind of housed out of my undergrad institution. And so I when I first presented at Saber, I got to go back to my undergrad and present in a room where I had taken a class, which was a full circle weird kind of moment in a good way. In a good way. But yeah, I would agree that the first place to start for conferences is I feel like we say this a lot, like talk to your advisor. Yeah. Which is <laughs> why your biggest advisor resource. fit is the biggest. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. if you get anything out of this, it's just know that a lot of times when you're applying to a graduate school, you're applying to an advisor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And fit is a giant thing. And that kind of goes to show, I guess the same kind of goes for conferences because that fit, it's like almost a unique combination sometimes that you'll get with certain people, um, mm-hmm. especially those that attend multiple conferences. Um, you kind of get this overlap into different kind of fields and focuses and maybe even ways that people approach things. So it's definitely um, finding what works for you, that perfect combination. I'm visualizing some Venn diagrams here of kind of what works for you and what is your focus. 
Then I think the next thing that you also need to find a good fit for is, like, what are you bringing to a conference? Yes. Are you going to a conference just to attend and listen and sit through all of those sessions, which can get very long? Mm. Yeah. Or are you presenting a poster or a talk or a roundtable? Yeah, there's many different types of presentations, and that's something, too, even looking at conferences. Some may offer multiple formats, some may only offer some. So that also depends on kind of what you're taking to a conference. You want to know who your audience is Mm -hmm. and what it is that you're bringing to them if you are getting the opportunity to present. Yeah, and I think it's the way that I always see conferences is it's like such a good place to get feedback from people that aren't the people you always get feedback from. Mm -hmm. And so even if you're submitting an abstract and maybe your abstract doesn't get picked for a talk, you're still going to get feedback from people, which right. could, especially when you're early, like, I, I'm going to keep talking about us being early career yeah. academics, <laughs> is, like, so crucial because it's, like, it would be good to stop a moving train if it's going to go off a cliff earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah you know? definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, I when I went to the Psychonomic Conference uh, in Boston when all of you were recording episode three of the podcast, check it out. Um <laughs> I presented a poster of my first year project and got a lot of feedback on interesting thoughts and future directions, which I implemented into the article that I submitted to a publisher that I recently got a revise and resubmit on. Yeah, it's definitely, like you mentioned too, it's kind of a way to, um, when you're not necessarily at that stage of publishing something, but sometimes you just want to get a little bit of feedback on things. Um, Especially, I think posters are great for that because you're there and you can be a little bit more one-on-one with people that come up to you, they're interested, they can bring an interesting viewpoint and things maybe that you haven't thought about before. So that's definitely a great, great way to get that kind of feedback, I believe. Even just like, it felt very validating giving a poster and having people come up and ask like questions about your methods and like you can tell when they know what you're doing and like they ask you a very specific question that you realize you can answer and that like really validates like oh you know I am able to do this this is like really awesome like I want to keep doing this for my future mm-hmm. and I think in a similar fashion and like talks and sometimes labeled as oral presentations those are really nice because at least in my experiences those get grouped in certain sessions where you know everybody's like interested and knows kind of what you're talking about and it's it's really nice. and honestly as, as like to get on Emily's uh, mindset here with us being so early in our career. It's really nice to put ourselves out there and get those opportunities when they are an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I um, presented a roundtable talk um, at my first right. conference. And so this was, our research group was kind of seeing that there is this new wave of realizing that traditional grading is not equitable and I feel like we've talked about this several times here <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna get more to it but there isn't a lot of research out there into what changing a grading system does to instructors and to students and so we were using a round table talk as an opportunity to kind of call attention to that and kind of get the limitations of traditional grading communicated to um, a much bigger audience and I think the chair of my old department was sitting in that room and that's who that's triggering and terrifying and imposter imposter syndrome triggering I will say too it's kind of funny when you go to these conferences too I've had that very much experience of like 
because of who we are, we kind of fangirl about some of these people. At least I do. I would say like, oh my God, I'm sitting behind so-and-so. Like I have so many of their papers right now in my mental life. Like, yeah. oh my God, that's them. <laughs> like when you start putting names to some, like some of those yeah, faces, the faces to, to these to the names, names on yeah. these papers is wild. Yeah. It's definitely like, I guess that just kind of speaks to who we are though, but it's, it can be exciting, especially when they come up to you or, you know, you're connected somehow in academic lineage and... It's exciting to learn about these stuffs and hear what they have to say about your academic work. lineage. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I just love that term. It's like that was my advisor's advisor, and that yeah. was their advisor. It's, like, so it's, it's almost like, like you're my academic grandpa or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But it, with that too, because of the stage, the experiences that we bring, we're at this stage where we're trainees, we're learning the ropes of things. So I've also found it particularly helpful at some of these conferences that there are um, various kinds of training opportunities. So there are things that are geared to people that are at our stage. And that's a great way to start kind of getting into the conferences when you're not, at least at my very first conference, it was kind of nerve wracking. There's a lot going on, a lot of people, you don't know where to start. The training events, uh, training events are a great place to start. I've now had quite a few good experiences where I've met people, you know, and it's less intimidating. There are people in your stage, like they're your peers. And then eventually, you know, you could grow up and you become collaborators. And myself. <laughs> well, and maybe someday you'll be someone's oh, academic grandma. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but definitely, it's, it's um, a great opportunity to meet people. I also have found it interesting that some of these conferences are part of, like, a larger society and yeah. so because our co- the our conference is technically like the annual meeting of saber mm-hmm. and so because it's part of a larger society there are also like special interest groups that meet as like members mm-hmm. of this society i am a card carrying member of the saber <laughs> uh, group um and so there is like a special interest group that's just graduate students and postdocs there is special interest groups for um lgbtq um, individuals, there's special interest. I think we might, we might start one on alternative grading. We might, we might. Mm. Big asterisk next to that. Yeah, I'm not sure. We went to a to be relatively <laughs> aggravating workshop last year that we still don't know if we're ready to put in the energy to fixing that. Mm. Uh, but there are, yeah, special interest groups for a lot of groups, and so it could be a way to even plug in socially like that where yeah. it's like oh these are people at my stage who share some sort of identity and those kinds of things yeah and honestly yeah i will say i'm glad you brought that up because uh particularly at the um spsp conference society for personality and social psychology yes. conference got it it's just not spaspa as some people say yeah saber well you know we work with what you got you need some vowels and it was great. I was actually able to find a nice group of um, fellow Latinos that were doing research. And although I didn't particularly get to do too much with them, there's now an email list that I'm on. And that's exciting. You know, you get to meet these people that being where I am, it's not always um, possible. So it, it definitely allows you to find a group of people that you can identify with, whether that be, you know, pertaining to yourself, um, identity or just overall research interests and similar mm-hmm. ideas. And I think you, you bring up a good point with that because a lot of what conferences are is that like networking. Yes. And so 
starting with a community of like like-minded people that are in a similar career stage to you I think mm-hmm. is a great place to start networking mm-hmm. because it's less intimidating than oh, walking exactly. up to like the big people in oh, your field yeah. Mm-hmm. I accidentally found myself networking a few times. Accidentally? <laughs> Alex, I don't think you ever stopped networking. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I was just, like, hanging out with, you know, some of my friends from, like, Kent and, like, some people that they introduced me to. And then they're like, hey, like, we're going to go get some pizza. Do you want to join? I'm like, absolutely. And so we went down the road we entered like this one small building i'm like okay this is cool and then it was just filled with a bunch of professionals just talking about like you know their research and apparently it the event was formed by this very big email chain of professionals and like cognitive scientists just wanting to meet together and take photos so i you know thankfully ate some pizza and then a couple people were like hey you know you should go talk to them about you know some of your fun projects i'm like so fun fact i have a podcast i gave out out of um it's a pretty fun fact (laughs) it is out of 50 business cards that we printed out for networking and conferences i had like five left over and i gave out all of my stickers and i was just like all right, I did not realize I was going to be in this situation, but it was a lot of fun. And then afterwards, I met up with my advisor, and we hung out, and she was just like, you know, really, like, big kudos to you for, like, going to that event and networking. And I'm like, in full transparency, I had no idea what I was doing. But, you know. You just got to put yourself out there. I think that's part of it with conferences. Um, I was told I may have accidentally also introduced myself to the next president of the recent conference so that was the thing and i didn't realize until after the fact that my advisor brought it up to me she's like you just went up to the next president of this and i was like oh i suppose i did (laughs) it was a lot less nerve-wracking before you told me this yes it was like i did not realize which is probably good yeah and honestly it was it was a nice conversation great great person and that's just kind of part of it I've learned. you kind of put yourself out there. I've had to get out of my show a little bit since I can be a little reserved when I'm not comfortable in all scenarios. But it's definitely, I think it's worth it. You can get some really good things. Yeah, I think that's a good um, kind of, with networking, is to just don't let yourself get intimidated. But that can be really hard, especially right. when, we're, when we're young. And so I yeah. think with a lot of networking, it can be good if you have people in your lab that you know if you mm-hmm. kind of just start like networking through them almost like I was kind of following Tara around yeah. at our <laughs> my, at my first saber because I just didn't know people and she had obviously been going for years and so it's like I met people from all over just because she knew these people from graduate school or as she's going through a postdoc and having an advisor that was in a leadership role in a society at a conference was also helpful because then a lot of people were coming to talk to her. Mm -hmm. And so I got to meet a lot of people, which is fun. And just know that a lot of times these people started out exactly where you are. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of them really do just want to see you succeed and come back and be a functional part of their society of professionals. Yeah, I heard a lot of conversations of, Oh, me and so-and-so met at this conference. Oh, what was it? Like, 10, 15 years ago. And then many times we got the comment of, like, this could be you guys. Like, in the next years, you will remember this conference as the one that you met all these great people at. And I think that just speaks to 
how great these experiences are to meet people at similar stages, people that you're going to be around for a long time, you know, given your career. They're long. Academic careers are long. And so when you, when you like, meet people, it's good to have people that are going to be there for your <laughs> yeah. entire career. Yeah. Yeah. See, we, can, we can pick up each other's yes, thoughts. Yes, yes. So we can keep going. We got ourselves like that. I think um, another thing that would be good to talk about is I did mention that you didn't have to pay for your Puerto Rico uh, Yeah, trip. and that was great. That's probably a big impediment and a great concern to a lot of people. And going to conferences, how are you going to fund these conferences? Because it's a lot it of money. Up. It adds up. It really adds up. Uh, you know, like a plane fare, lodging, like, it all adds up very quickly. And, um... With that, your biggest resource is always going to be your advisor. Ask them. They know about opportunities. Always look into the society as well. They have grants, travel grants, so you can go to these conferences. And also, if you're at that stage where you're applying to graduate school, it's honestly a great question to ask. Does the department provide any kind of travel funding to go to these conferences? As -hmm. that's been a, a great savior in this for me in being able to go to these conferences is that the department does provide some funding for that and it's -hmm. great because then I can go to Puerto Rico and I don't have to worry so much about the funding and actually in this specific one it comes from a grant where that was kind of put into this budget so Mm -hmm. which is why I go back to talk to your advisor what how what kind of position are they in is this something that they can help you out with and if so it's a great help honestly yeah because sometimes that grant that is like funding the project mm-hmm. is also has in its budget to send the researchers to conferences yeah. and so that your advisor will know which grant your project could potentially fit under to get you the money you need to travel to a conference because yeah. sometimes it takes a little bit of finagling yeah but it's definitely if if you're able to and you can find some funding again like i say look into the societies they often have resources for that but it's honestly a great experience i've really enjoyed it um and i think you can benefit a lot from going to these conferences so i think it's it's worth the expense sometimes As of a report in Nature Communications that came out on March 21st of this year, we have found some precursor to life um, signals on an asteroid. And so a team of researchers in Japan have isolated some uh, uracil samples off of an asteroid. And uracil is... A pretty cool um, building block of life in that it is a molecule that is only found in RNA. It's not found in DNA. Um, I jokingly would tell my friends in college that um, uracil was my favorite of the bases because it's the working man's base because it's cheaper to make (laughs) than thymine (laughs) like we would have in DNA. Mm -hmm. So it gets, if you've mRNA and RNA have been in the news a lot recently in the last few years because COVID vaccines that are the most efficacious have provided the most long-term protection have been these mRNA vaccines. And so instead of the DNA double-stranded molecule that has ATGC bases, RNA uses AUGC. And so uracil is just a little bit cheaper for our cells to make. And so... This means if they've detected uracil, there could have been um, 
RNA or different ribonucle ribonucleic acids on this asteroid that came not from Earth. And that means there could be like carbon-based, DNA-based life somewhere else. So that is a hot off the presses finding from um, this team in Japan. And I will link to their paper and a news article if you are interested more about uracil on asteroids, which is wild. That's awesome. Taking bets, what do you guys think? <laughs> I think there is life out there. I oh, definitely 100%. think they're hostile. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah, it just doesn't... There's no I, way there's not. It probably doesn't look like we think life looks like. But maybe Very it bad. does, because mm -hmm. Uracil, the working man's base. <laughs> <laughs> or woman. <laughs> so, why do asteroids taste better than Earth Because <laughs> they're out of this world. That's a good I one. Dang, oh, that's not it. It's because they're meteor. Mine was better. <laughs> <laughs> they're asteroids. Yeah, but they're meteor. But it's a dad joke. <laughs> they're not always very scientific. <laughs> Science is a dad joke. <laughs> and on a similar topic, we are kind of moving on to kind of journal articles. And even though... We go back to this idea, we're very early in our careers, barely learning the ropes to everything. We thought it would be important to speak to the things that we're finding out about journal articles, like what it takes to, you know, do this. It's a big um, contributions that we have to do with our science. So these are, this is what we've learned at this stage and it's like, crazy. Did you know that you have to pay to publish your papers in a lot of like journals? Like what <laughs> i can't like uh that was something it's like wait what what you have to pay and sometimes it's like a lot of money it, yeah and to it, pay these journals and it's mm -hmm. just it's wild and there you know obviously there are like good things and bad things about right. it there's different models because going to all open source also can become an issue but the amount of money people pay to pay to publish in like yeah. the big ones like in biology we think about like nature science, cell, you know, NAS. generic biology word, insert name, journal. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. It's definitely one of the things that I found the most shocking, just beginning to learn about what it takes to publish, and I don't know, there's just a lot of big shockers, I think, um, in w doing what we do, trying to get our work published. Mm -hmm. Like the order of authors? Order of authors. Mm. Like that the significance be... is different oh, yeah. Yeah, between journals and, and across disciplines? Yeah. Which is wild to, to me. Mm -hmm. And to think about how I always thought it was kind of always an order of importance, but that last author name... is, is It carries a lot of weight. It carries well. a lot of weight mm -hmm. in a lot of places. I know some places yeah. do, like, strictly alphabetical where oh right that's i guess none of us would really have an advantage there we're all kind of in the middle we're like all right next to each other in last yeah, name yeah that's true we're all like right there dang i should have changed my name h-j yeah. oh. <laughs> i was gonna say you could have had an advantage there <laughs> even when i happen it buttons last so yeah it's yeah. still go by j so g-h-i-j-k yeah we have like just a little block there we yeah, just don't have anyone with a yeah yeah so sometimes it's alphabetical, but sometimes, and some yeah, papers, some some papers have gone by March Mammal Madness score. Just saying. Oh, yeah. Just saying. <laughs> it has happened. It has happened. There yeah, will be. It's hilarious. I read one paper where authorship was determined. Um, people who got 
food poisoning in the field more were able to get a higher authorship position because apparently it was just everyone was getting sick when they were out in the field. And so they did it that And they noted it in a paper, which I think (laughs) is hilarious. Who's most chronically ill gets first? Well, <laughs> you can't always have a leg up. Technically, <laughs> I can just have a leg down. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, that would be bad for your heart. We do need to, like, yeah, <laughs> make sure you're positioned yeah. correctly. <laughs> uh, but definitely, yeah, at our stage, and it seems um, first authors are the kind of what we strive for. That goes to show that that's our main contribution there. And... I don't know, it can be really nice when that's a thing. So that's kind of what we work for, it seems, for mm-hmm. author. And then it seems, at least I've gotten the idea that in later years, um, once you know you're the head of lab, then it's the end of the author want list. The that you want, yeah, you want mm-hmm. that end. Because that's like, look at all of these people I mentored through this research project. It's <laughs> kind of what it's looking towards, which is... Mm-hmm. It's it's something I didn't know that that anchor position was. I was I was finding myself wondering like, why is their name so far down the author list? Yeah, it's like, oh, because they're a big deal. (laughs) So those typically also would be conversations if you're ever collaborating with anybody and you're working on something together. It would be um, a conversation to be addressed because order can matter too. Even having authorship contracts and deciding like based on what criteria who gets even just an authorship or right. just acknowledgements. And it seems there are frameworks available that some people follow that kind of facilitate in that. And it would be anybody who has done some sort of work under this type or this type and then mm-hmm. that kind of helps along that process. But And have that conversation early because mm-hmm. it can be really frustrating when it's not um if you have put in a lot of effort towards a project and you haven't solidified author position and then it starts to become a conversation and you don't know where to prioritize your time, if you could tell something's happening that it's nice to have that conversation early. And like Alex said, as you like have these contracts and kind of like lay out like, Hey, these are the things we're going to need to get done and like clearly define what those things are. So people know what they're signing up for for a bigger project. I think that's definitely different if it's like you, your advisor, and an undergrad because that's going to be a little bit more of a clear author distinction for that. And it just goes to show how there's different kind of collaborator relationships. Some people have a lot, are a lot more involved in something and some people, you know, are not so much but still have contributed enough that this, you know, merits their name being on the work. So that's something just to keep in mind working forward and everything and I don't know, it's, honestly, it's kind of exciting, especially at our stage, to see our name. Obviously, like I mentioned, first author is like a, whoa, but like, honestly, anywhere on there, it's like, wow, I've done my work, and you can see it here. My, my nice name is printed here. I always like to see my name printed, that's the thing about me. Mm -hmm. When it's printed, it's like, ooh, it's legit. (laughs) Have any of us us published in grad school? I know we've published as, I published as an undergrad, and I think some of us I'm currently in the process okay but we haven't no one's officially published as a graduate student okay it's coming coming. we're working on it we're working on it okay so So we'll we'll check back in on this conversation when (laughs) when that happens because it's it's a big win when you can it's exciting Mm -hmm. exciting. give me two weeks to finish revision comments and then I'll be good and another month for reviewers to get back to you and then another (laughs) you know you can only do so much as the author (laughs) collected this data 
fall of 2021 now getting it published and i'll probably be like this upcoming fall yeah and it's a one experiment paper so it's like a shorter one this is a good time to bring up something else that i didn't know and i did not was not brought into the loop about the inside academia joke about reviewer two reviewer (laughs) two yeah like i'll say oh there's such a reviewer two yeah (laughs) those of you who don't know reviewer two is generally the one who's going to come in and be a little more harsh with their comments and maybe they didn't even read your paper and you're like did you just read the abstract and you like didn't actually read my paper because wow yeah so watch out for reviewer two guys reviewer two if you follow any of the meme pages about like phd and academia Mm -hmm. on instagram twitter whatever they comment about reviewer two all the time just as a construct Right. You will. Yeah. But even you know, it's it's I don't think it's a for sure thing, at least in my experience. But it's definitely something to keep an eye out for because it's um and even just in general to keep in mind when you're in this process of trying to publish something, you're gonna get revisions or or you're more than likely gonna get revisions. I would be very impressed if people don't get like a revise and resubmit. So you gotta be open to other people's perspective, know when to take it in a, into account and know when maybe you you did what you were supposed to, but you have to, there's this, um, cordiality with it. you got to explain why you did what you did. And, mm-hmm. you know, the goal is to get this in there. So you work around those and see what you work with and what you maybe take a stand on and say, no, I did this for this reason. Mm-hmm. And that's why I really value, um, Emily, Alex and I all had one professor who really structured her class in a way <laughs> that kind of like, She'd be like, well, why do you say that? Well, what if I think this way? And kind of was, like, pushing you. Mm-hmm. Even if she fully agreed with you, 100%. like, she would always be like, well, what about this? She yeah. wants you to, like, stand up for what you're saying and why you're saying it. And, like, think critically about why you're saying what you're saying. And so yeah, I think it's a skill. Mm-hmm. It really is. And so it drives me nuts when people back down off their point too quick. Yeah. Because. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose that? Yeah. And I'm like, well, this is the reason why. And she's just like, are you confident behind that? I'm like, well, now I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and and now, and she's on both of our, she's on Alex yeah. and my commit, like our, our both of our committees. And it's, it's a good person to have in mm-hmm. your corner that's gonna be like, well, why? Well, why? Whenever when some people are gonna be like, oh yeah, it sounds great. And she's like, hmm, go back a few slides. Let's talk about this. <laughs> it's it's good to have. I wouldn't I wouldn't call her a reviewer too. Yeah. She's someone in your corner that's going to prepare you for dealing with reviewer two. Mm-hmm. And then when she gives you, like, the compliment of, like, you really challenged me today. That's, like, oh, the best feeling. That's the highest compliment yeah. a scientist can give you is that you challenged their thinking. Mm-hmm. Because it means they learned. Which academics do not like to learn. <laughs> <laughs> Ironic much. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> but that also, I think, brings up a good point of some... Um, maybe not horror stories that were heard, but stories just nonetheless, of knowing also when your science can maybe go against others' views. And that's something apparently I learned and I was kind of shocked about that you can kind of, um, you can request reviewers, which is nice, you know, people who might have um, the expertise in this that will be able to give thoughtful and Mm -hmm. good comments to what you're submitting, but also people who will 
outright just not agree with what mm-hmm. you're saying. So we all joke around that. We know we've made it when we have an academic arch nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone that absolutely cannot review your paper because yep. they'll read the title or the author and be like, mm, no. I decided yesterday one of my RAs is going to be my arch nemesis. That's that for you. Yeah. Wow, That's that would a be good. a great news story. We're both going to be arch nemesis in a field that neither of us are particularly going into. Good. <laughs> That's what we yeah. decided. So just like take the arch nemesis really off the table then. Which yeah, would, which yeah. would be really yeah. nice. I told him mm-hmm. to his. You're gonna be my arch nemesis. That, that's great. No, I, I I love that for both <laughs> of you. Actually, um, I heard of a story where there was a conference that um, there's like a lab that was overrepresented in like the talks that were given at this conference, or maybe they're overrepresented in the papers that are getting published in this certain journal and they were like trying to figure out how to make this better. I heard this from a friend, so I'm trying to remember how it went, but they like were at a the business meeting for this like society in this conference and someone just said, Well, people just need to get better at writing abstracts. And it's like, oh yeah, that's helpful. That that's real helpful. <laughs> and so I wonder whose arch nemesis they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I think that also just kind of speaks in general to what the peer review process is like in our just, I wouldn't even say field and discipline, it just seems to be across academia, of some people are volunteering, or not some people, everyone's volunteering the time to mm-hmm. peer review these things. So it's kind of important to take in mind what they say, but also consider that as this is free labor. Yeah. Since my advisor and I on Wednesday went through each of the comments, I was just like, because I'm an early career um, position, I was just like, I don't know if I'm just like be- being naive because like all of these like make sense and I completely agree with them. And she's like, well, yeah, I mean, like they are really good comments, but there will be times where you have to like push back. Um, but one of the really good comments was we didn't explain one of the key definitions in the beginning, and like they're like, you should explain this better. We looked at the paper, we're like oh, we did not explain that at all. And that's, like, one of the major factors that we were testing. So it is very helpful in that sense. We all want to do good science in the end, and this is just one step towards that. You know, you get that uh, uh, publication in a peer-reviewed source is great because that shows that you've done your work and then people, other people have looked at it and they say, you know, this is good work. People should know more about this. So that can also be very... I don't know. I just think it's really nice. Science. Yes. So, yeah, guys, this was our second to last episode of the season. So Season two. I think we're doing great. I hope everybody found this helpful. Of course, this is all from our perspectives as we're starting off. And this is definitely a topic that we can revisit as we, you know, gain more experience. And you can grow with us and learn with us as we go through this. Um, We will be posting a few of the links of some of the conferences that we mentioned throughout the episode and also others maybe that we just know about, that we frequent, that we, you know, hear a lot about. And that kind of gives you maybe a starting point to see what we attend and kind of reference to some of the things that we talked about. With that, stay tuned for the winner of 2023. March Mammal Madness. Yes. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one that's looking forward to who's the winner of March Mammal Madness 2023. Yeah. I'm still mourning my You know, I was the only one that picked the pufferfish. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't even that. use its poison. April yes. Fools, we're all... I don't know. 
Oh, this is going to be April April 1st. Yeah, I guess we could have probably started with a, you know, prank. Yeah. You know. See you next time. Bye. Bye. The Scientists in Training podcast is not associated with North Dakota State University. Any opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, are not reflective of the university.